0: Welcome to episode five of The Things That Drive Us. Today we are talking to the Gemini-like Amy slash Zoe Dudgeon. Amy is her creative name, if you like. Amy does a number of different things. She writes and performs poetry. Um, She runs a supper club. She teaches yoga. And we talk about all of these things and how they interact in today's episode. There will be more information on all of this with um, links that you can check out at the end of the episode but I hope you enjoy it. So um, today I'm talking to Amy Dudgeon, who, amongst many other things, does yoga and is a yoga instructor and creative writing and um, spoken word poet. And I'm interested to find out how you ended up in this maelstrom of different stuff. So which one um, first though, the yoga <laughs> or the writing?
1: Ooh, the writing, definitely the writing. I have... Um... You can't see my notice board, but behind me there's a notice board in this room, and there's a poem that I wrote when I was about eight. That oh, nice. basically said, "There's something to the extent of I'm a writer. I, I build imaginary words, worlds, and I dream of different places. And, and this is who I am. <laughs> it's about eight, so definitely that first, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. So have you always written then since then, or is it something that's just yeah?
1: Great? So um. I have always written. It's not always been as consistent, I suppose. So when I was young and had um, a very wild imagination, or I should say was more in touch with my imagination. Obviously, as you grow up, you kind of Mm. maybe learn to like, move away from the imaginary world and a bit more forced into the real world. Um, But when I was younger, I used to write stories for my siblings all the time. Mm. Um, And even for for my younger sister, Francesca, I wrote loads of stories for her entire year at school. (laughs) So I'd I'd write these really short stories and then send her into school to sort of share them with her class. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and i I always actually, when I'm the oldest of three, I always actually really liked um, being friends with people that were younger than me or that were my siblings age because they tended to have like not really grown up and they were still interested in playing imaginary yeah. games, whereas people my age, had kind of like moved on yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> and I didn't want
1: to move on. I just wanted to keep playing games and writing and things. Um, so yeah, then, then I did an English literature degree at university and absolutely loved it and yeah. absolutely loved reading and writing. And so... At that time, I was trying to write a novel, um, of which I have lots of drafts and things of. Um, and then I trained to be a lawyer, and I have to say, sadly, my imagination was sort of <laughs> didn't feature much in that chapter of my life. Uh, Because yeah, I wasn't around lots of other creatives, and I was doing I was using a more analytical part of my brain. Yeah. Um. But then when I qualified as a lawyer, I kind of thought, oh my gosh, wow, I've got through this. You know, it's quite hard doing a training contract and everything. And then all this creativity came back to me that I'd sort of not been paying attention to. So that was really nice. And then I wrote really prolifically as a newly qualified lawyer to the extent I was like in kind of team meetings and doing training sessions, I'd be scribbling poems, like on the back of the training notes. And I used to commute to and from work in a car and I would record myself um, reciting poetry like on my drive home or record my thoughts so that when I got home, I could um, then make sense of them and write. So that was a really prolific time. And I think now I have a bit more of a balance um, Mm -hmm. between the law and the writing. And then the yoga came in as well. So there is quite a lot lot
0: to juggle, I'd say. I think there are more creative people hidden in the law than you think, and more frustrated creative people. I know exactly what you mean by meetings. I sit there in meetings and I'm sketching things and other people and cups and whatever's around. <laughs> Particularly if it's one of those boring, um, this is what we've all been doing since the last time we met a month ago when we haven't been doing anything. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. To, I think I think uh, it's
1: sorry, yeah. I was just gonna say I think it's think it's really interesting, because um, some people might view sitting in a work meeting and being creative and in that touch, that side of yourself as sort of uh, I can't think of a way to phrase it that being slightly like away with the fairies or distant mm-hmm. from the real world. But I actually see art as the real world. So sometimes I get quite frustrated at having to do practical things, including my job, because I just think sometimes I just think this isn't really real though. We're all just sitting here typing and chatting about stuff. But what's real is, is is what we feel and what we express and how we interact with other people. That is what I feel will be left, you know, when we leave this world or when we move on. So that's yeah. quite an interesting
0: I, I know. Dynamic. Yes. And particularly because we do litigation. Um, you and I as our day job, and it can sometimes feel like you're thrust in quite a stressful, intense way into this alien artificial world, and it's entirely pointless um <laughs> yeah. um I mean sometimes it's it's not, but you, you just think why is everyone arguing about this um yeah, so i I do know so I mean, was there sort of it's interesting what so what was then the driving force? because that i'm quite envious of that pro, particularly what you're talking about your burst of productivity and and um um you know did you have a sort of driving force that made you keep going or was it just you know you just did it
1: um i think i think i was very compelled to do it so it didn't feel much like a choice it uh. felt more like a compulsion i suppose there were parts of my brain or my personality that I've just not really been paying attention to like I like I said that just really wanted to come to the surface at that time I think it was also a time I was um, broadening my horizons socially as well I think I'd kind of um, started to meet a lot of different people and a lot of them were artists as well so I definitely felt inspired by them and that is something that's still true to this day if I surround myself with artistic people then the creativity tends to come a lot more because the energy kind of bounces off and people will share ideas with you or echo things back to you or suggest things to you Mm. um so yeah yeah i think i think it's really that i don't i'm not i'm not in that stage unfortunately right now I i wish i was but it's now more of at the moment it's more of a choice for me to write and it's it's more disciplined than being compelled
0: i'd say there's a good i think it's tom wolf he was saying that some days he'd sit down and it would just flow naturally the writing it would just be easy and other days it would be a real struggle and he'd have to force himself and it felt like drawing blood from the stone yeah um, afterwards when he came back to read it he couldn't tell which days were which
1: i think i i i, I... I, that does resonate with me I mean I think my latest collection of poetry which is which is written and kind of ready to go now but I'm just tinkering with how to publish it on my website because I self-publish everything on my website because I can't be bothered to go around applying to different places to submit my work because it just takes a lot of time and energy plus also I work across different mediums so mm. I have written word and I have illustrations which I, I work with the an illustrator and, and I have spoken words so it's quite hard to submit that to a magazine and say hey can you take this when they'll go well yeah we can take the words or the pictures but not, not both. you know not this element um but but yeah this this collection of poetry there are definitely poems in there and actually, actually quite a lot of the editing I, I found like it was drawing blood from a stone but then I did go back and read it and also when I was recording the audio for it in the studio with um my, my sound engineer I was thinking this is great I'm really enjoying this whereas at the time it was like how am I doing this so <laughs> yeah I think I think yeah I remember there was one particular poem that I said at the beginning to my my sound engineer Christopher I don't really like this one I don't really know why it's in here and then I began performing it and I was like, no, I, I completely understand why this is in here. I, th- yep. These are my words. These do mean things. I do resonate with this. So yeah, that is. Do you go through phase?
0: There, there are sort of set phases I go through with um, work that I've produced. And they are real satisfaction that it's finished. And then about a day or two later, looking at it and going, Oh, that's rubbish. And then about <laughs> two months later looking at it going oh that's really good I couldn't do anything of that good now um, <laughs> and then sort of cycles round through those things I mean do, do you find yourself in a similar process
1: I think sort of I think because poems are a lot shorter and that doesn't mean that they don't take a long time to create yeah. um, it, it's more poem by poem rather than like specific uh, pieces so if, for example I know that in in the collection that's going to be published soon um there are ones where I've had that relationship with them and I've gone I do like you I don't like you I do like you I don't like you and there are other ones in there where I've just gone no this is this is it this is me and it there's it, not necessarily well there's not that much rhyme or reason although I will say I think the ones that come more naturally and I spend less time editing are probably my favorite ones but I don't know how I produce them they just happen so I can't I can't wake up and go or I really fancy just producing something sort of semi-perfect this morning
0: yeah you mentioned an illustrator who's your illustrator
1: oh he's a guy called Bertie Simpson um who just finished art school actually Yeah, yeah I think he was at Camberwell art school so yeah he's a he's a great guy I've been working with him for the last two or three years now. I just really like his, really like his style. and um, feel like it encapsulates my words pretty well, brings them to life. And um, a lot of people who, who see the work really like it too. And he's also fun to, it's fun to work with other creators. So I give him pretty free reign to do what he wants with the images. I'm not, you know, I don't tell him I want a girl looking like this,
2: Yeah.
1: you know, interacting with a person like that. I just give him my words. And because they are quite um, imagery heavy, um, he, he then just creates out of them. And he, he will check things with me like, hey, this is what I was thinking for this. Do you like this or not? And, and I will make small tweaks like, can you add this and all that? But we are, it's largely, it's a collaboration of two creators rather than me sort of instructing him to uh, bring my work to life in a specific
0: way. And was that, I mean, how did you establish that relationship? Was it just, I mean, I've, I've met people who have had um, collaborative relationships like that and it just sort of occurred naturally from the beginning and other people who sort of really had to work at it. Did you find? So, was, yeah,
1: I can't quite remember all of it, to be honest. What, what I do remember is that my brother, Thomas, um, when he was at university, had a um, event event an events company where he he absolutely loved music him and him and a friend would um curate club nights basically and get DJs booked in and stuff and they came across Bertie I think via Instagram and asked him to make a poster for their night I saw these posters and I'd already thinking been thinking about how I wanted my some of my poems to be like graphic poems I wanted to work in that kind of cartoony type forum because I don't know there's a lot of energy in my poetry and i as I said it, it's quite image heavy as well so it lends itself as well too and I'm also quite influenced by the 70s as well so it just felt like something I was interested in doing yeah and I think I've, I've said a message, hey you know my brother I'm a poet would you be interested in collaboration he was like I've never done this illustrated poetry before, but sure, why not? Like, met in a pub, had a chat. I um, recited some of my poetry to him. It kind of explained, you know, who I was and what visuals I liked. And it just went from there to him really easy. Easy.
0: That's good. That's good. And have you ever had it the other way around where he's drawn something and then that's inspired you to write a poem about it?
1: No, I don't think I have had that. Um, And I think, that's probably just because I'm I'm looking at, when he sends me what he's done, I think I'm looking at it in a more analytical way
2: yeah. than in a
1: creative way, so I think I'm looking at it and analysing and checking all the words are correct, and checking it's in the right order, um, and so I think maybe because I'm almost too close to the process, especially at that stage, I'm not standing back and seeing it as a work of art, I'm seeing it as uh, the, the product of what we've created. So yeah. that's, yeah, it's an interesting question. Maybe if I go back and look at, for example, my first collection where I'm, I'm now sort of distanced from that, yeah. I would then find that inspiration.
0: Yeah, yeah the reason I asked, some, some of the people I'm going to be talking to later, these um, two women, Sutherland and Bell is the names they go by. They wrote, one of them's a poet who wrote a book called The Green Man and the Raven's Quest. And then the other one is an illustration to the illustration. but some of the poems are written in a reaction to the illustration.
2: Oh cool.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you mentioned you publish it on the website. What's the website address then? Um,
1: it's a yeah, it's amydudgeon.co.uk.
0: Yeah. And of course, I don't know you as Amy, I know you as Zoe from work. So why the yeah. why the, why why the nom de guerre, if you like?
1: Yeah, so there's a few, I mean, there's a few reasons for it. Um, first reason, I guess, it's just quite fun to have two different names. Why not? Um, my uncle was quite a famous record producer. So he produced the likes of um, Elton John and David Bowie and was quite, you know, quite prolific in the 70s. And his wife, his wife's name was Sheila. Elton John used to call Sheila Amy as a nickname, as a little kind of diminutive type thing. She had Amy, uh, um, an Amy license plate on her car and she also had an Amy a necklace, a gold pendant that said Amy on it and then says it's short for love on the back that he had given her. And I inherited that and I, I would wear it anyway prior to me having two names. Mm. Um, and so that's, that's the kind of cute fun side to it. And then the more practical analytical side of being an employment lawyer, I began, began to become quite... Um, apprehensive about publishing work um, in my, the name I was using for my career. Yeah. Uh, so I thought it would be better to divide the two, um, just to allow myself a bit more creative freedom and also just to allow myself an identity where I could step away kind of from the day job. Um, and I, I then because my website with all my work on it, and that also has all my yoga, I then became Amy. Uh, for the purpose of all my yoga as well so um in that world I am known as Amy although there is always crossover (laughs) so one of the studios I'm working with one of one of our colleagues as well um Chloe who who is my best best buddy from work actually um we both volunteer at the same studio and so she will call me Zoe and then she'll call me Amy and everyone in the studio is going are you Zoe or are you Amy? (laughs) so then sometimes i'm just zoe amy amy zoe <laughs> <laughs> and i have been known to obviously not not answer to amy when someone's saying my name because that's yeah. not the name i grew up with so that's also quite funny <laughs>
0: um and i'm interested about the record so how many of your poems have you recorded now Then and done the um actual audio recordings of so a uh, four.
1: This new collection, so my second collection of poetry, um, which is called Beginnings and Endings,
2: yeah.
1: uh, I, there are eight poems. And so I've recorded the audio for all those eight poems and um, Christoph, my sound engineer, is still mixing them. Um, for my first collection of poetry, there are, um, which is called Humans plus Humans equals Humans. Yeah. Um, there are two spoken word videos already on my website. So that obviously, that that's audio and that's visual as well. And That was supposed to be four, but the pandemic happened. Yeah. Uh, and so that was put on pause. And I didn't want to pause the release of my collection because of the pandemic, because it was so up and down as to what we were able to do. Yeah, yeah. And so there are still two videos in that collection that I would like to record. But time has also kind of moved on. So um, I hope one day I will be able to do those. But... Mm. Um, yes I just didn't want to stop and then with this collection I just didn't I just didn't feel like doing um videos I did want to do audio so the kind of I guess the experience for anyone reading it or engaging with the website is that and this is what this is what Hector my my cousin who's my website engineer is working on at the moment it's hopefully going to appear like um, one book with eight pieces, and you'll kind of be able to click through it from start to finish. Oh, nice! And then on each page, there should be a link or a QR code that you can scan or click to hear me listen to hear me um, say the poem as well. Right. So it basically gives the reader or the listener, the 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 gazer, um, a, a, opportunities to interact with the forum in different ways so yeah there may be some people that aren't interested to hear there may be some people that are interested to hear um and i I quite yeah as an artist i like that as well like with my first collection there was just some written text poetry short prose that you could read there was videos and then there was the graphic poems so um i hope it engaged people in different ways especially because some people still um, I guess have the perception that poetry is like quite stuffy or quite hard to read and it's not something they're familiar with or something that they've done since school. So especially yeah. with when there was videos available or graphic poems that really draw the eye, someone's like looking at this sort of cartoon thing and then suddenly they've read a poem and they think, oh cool, that wasn't that bad after all. Maybe I'll read the rest of it. Well,
0: I, th- I think there's a resurgence going on with poetry. I mean, I'm quite a fan anyway, so I've been subscribed to the Poetry Book Society for a number of years. But um, I think, you know, you see people like George the Poet, who are sort of pushing it much more into the popular mainstream, and then on the the sillier end of the spectrum, I quite like Tim Key as well. Um, Nice, yeah. um, Yeah, no, they're
1: definitely... I, I agree with that. I mean, I think the time that I came to... Like, so... I I wrote I wrote everything and I have tried I've got half written plays novels it's just poetry is kind of what yeah. is is the main form I'm working at the moment but when I came to the spoken word scene which was 2016 I think it had definitely gained a lot more traction there were so many more nights than there would have been five ten years ago and so many more people um willing to get on stage and chat about things and also more friends that would go okay yeah i'll come see some spoken word i kind of know what that is rather than being like what are you doing
0: (laughs) yeah um so was that is that the driver for you then is it do you write it for the performance or is the performance or do you write it for the sake of writing it and then the performance comes later
1: um i think both i mean this period that i went to that i described where i was just very compelled to write and could not stop writing and that was sort of all I, I was thinking about at that time I was very I started writing and I realized quite early on that I was writing because I wanted to share my thoughts my feelings my ideas and that I needed to to share them on stage and actually what I did first is I went to a storytelling night called the Moth. Um, which I think started in the US, and they have their own podcast and they have yeah. their own book, and it's yeah, people get up on stage and just tell real life stories uh, on a certain theme. And so I thought I kind of challenged myself, and I said, you know, I'm gonna in two months' time, whatever it was, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this, and I did it. And I sort of thought it might cure me of my desire to get on stage, but in fact, it just compelled me even more that I just thought this is great, right? I've just got to do this. So then yeah, I was very much feeling compelled to go on stage and talk. Um, And I don't know if it's because of the pandemic or because of other life factors or a combination of both, but the way that I'm writing now, I don't feel that same compulsion to get on stage and share. And I think part of it's probably being out of practice and not, not going to other nights and feeling inspired by other people. But, But also I think I'm just enjoying being a little bit quieter and just kind of being me in my yeah. words and just sitting there like a geek, kind of analyzing things and using the thesaurus and technically researching bits.
0: Yeah. So but that's one of the things that interests me because um, some of the people, one of the people I've spoken to already, he's an artist and he meticulously plans his paintings. He has a sort of conceptual idea and he meticulously plans it and research it. I don't do that at all. I just find a canvas and cover it with paint until I produce something that I like. <laughs> um, and, and for me, it's, I think actually, it's also a reaction to work because work is very cerebral and thinky. And so I like doing yeah. something that's none of those things at all. But do you, what's your approach? I mean, do you plan things meticulously? Do you sort of, or does it depend on the pace?
1: I think I do I do both basically. So, um, my first collection of poetry is quite it's all it's all about people and our connections to other people. So it's, it's quite it's quite a loose, broad theme. And I think I was just able to draw together some of my favourite pieces that I'd written over like a three or four year period. And that was the first time I'd drawn together a collection of poetry. So that was like a massive experiment. Um, with this this collection that's my second collection, beginnings and endings, which is which is finished but just kind of waiting to go to print, as it were. Um, I had a mixture of poems I would just written that I really liked, but I, the theme for this collection is the beginnings and the endings of relationships. Mm-hmm. So I then picked the poems that I liked that were already there, and I then sat back and thought about what other things I thought should go into the collection to complement them. For example, so I have school kind of beginnings of relationship poems and four endings. So, for example, I didn't want to write seven breakup poems uh, and one about falling in love because that just wasn't that wasn't the intent. I wanted to, it to be balanced, and I also wanted a balance between I suppose quite serious, you know, feelings and emotions, and also quite silly ones as well. Um, so I I had to challenge myself to write some of the more comic pieces because um, I think those don't come as naturally to me, but actually I'm quite happy with the with the product of that. So I almost had a little grid where I, I had all my poems written. Mm. Uh, what the ones that were named that I had already gone in and then the kind of like ones in square brackets, as it were, <laughs> drafting notes. This is what this poem should be about. And then I just had to go away and think about it. Um, and it's just I'm working on my third collection now as well, which is about um, like women um, and the body and sex, and that's that's something that I actually went on a writing call November 2019, and we did loads of writing exercises um every day every morning just kind of prompted by the teacher and then we'd have one-on-one sessions with the tutors and the tutor said to me keeps coming up for you you keep writing about women and you keep writing about the body you've got you've got like a a compulsion to speak about this so i thought i probably do actually
0: yeah it's interesting how these compulsion arises and when you sort of ask yourself well why am i doing this well i do anyway i never really have a satisfactory answer it's just sort of all i am so (laughs)
1: <laughs> sometimes you
0: don't want to probe deeper <laughs> well, that's true. I mean, I certainly get that, which is um I sometimes think if I started looking at what I did or planning what I did in a more uh, analytical way, it would wouldn't work anymore or would somehow I
1: don't know. yeah i i actually i think it's, i think I'm finding at the moment that I am being a lot more analytical and I don't know if it's' I've just been too long lawyering and it it is good because it helps you get places rather than you know I think if I didn't have that analytical side and I wasn't um used to drafting I really wouldn't have had the confidence or the focus to put together a collection of poetry but at the same time it a attraction creativity because I'm thinking oh well where is this fitting in
2: which collection
1: is this going in where am I going when actually like that's not necessarily the point
0: yeah 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 yeah. I know what you mean so when's your when when do you expect your um second collection to be out on your website then
1: um I, I'm hoping by the spring I I had a plan to have it out for Valentine's Day because it's about relationships Um, But then because I'm juggling, well, there's basically four of us working on the project and um, it just, it just takes quite a while to, to get people together and to feed in their bits. I thought, I can't be bothered to sort of try and ration meet a deadline. As, as you know, that's what we do in our (laughs) job a lot or have constant deadlines. So I thought, no, I actually don't really, there's no reason, there's an arbitrary deadline, it'll, it'll be out when it's out, so I'm a lot, lot more kind of relaxed now, and you know, when it's ready to be out, people will be there to read it, and I'll, I'll have a nice launch party, and invite people along, and that'll be nice.
0: Mm. So the other aspect of your, let's say your Amy existence, is um, you're a yoga instructor. Yes. So how did that happen?
1: That happened, well, I actually went to Geneva on to comment with uh, the law firm that I was working for when I was a trainee, mm. and I had always had a, a vague interest in yoga, um, but I decided to, like, sort of give it a bit more of a proper go while I was in Geneva, because it was just, you know, I was in a new city where I didn't know people, and it seemed like a good idea,
2: mm.
1: and I just really fell in love with yoga, and yeah got pretty addicted I suppose to you know going most mornings before work um, getting up really early I'm talking like quarter to six in the morning Mm. to um, drive out to Guildford and do an hour's practice and be at my desk by eight o'clock in the morning Uh, and then my sister quit her day job and became a Pilates instructor and I'd always thought about becoming a yoga teacher someday and then she became a Pilates instructor and I basically got a bit jealous and I thought, yeah. oh, I want to, I want to experience this too. So I booked to do my yoga teacher training and actually, I actually then decided to leave my job too. And it worked out really perfectly that I did my yoga teacher training between leaving the law firm, starting a new job. Mm. Um, and I think it just kind of set me on a different, a slightly different path in life. I guess it just, um, you know, yoga is about the movement, the physical body, breath work. But there's there's a lot um, emotionally and philosophically and sort of spiritual, spiritually to connect to if you want to as well. Yeah. So I definitely do would see that as kind of a new, a new chapter that opened in my life. Um, so there's no at the moment there's not so much specific crossover between me as a writer and me as a, a yoga instructor. Um but the two fit very well together because I suppose it's playing into that part of the brain that's interested in emotions and interested in people. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. And
1: and what I'm hoping to do more this year, um, which is one of these ideas that you sort of have and you just sit on for ages, um, is to run some yoga combined yoga and writing workshops um so it'd be kind of like two hour workshops, come and do a yoga practice and then we'll do some creative writing um and I am actually teaching creative writing to yoga instructors um on in one of my teacher's training courses and that's really fun too so now now I've, I've been a qualified yoga teacher for about three years now um but obviously that's like given that I have a day job it's almost like you know taken me a a long time to sort of get that where someone else with three years experience doing it day to day would be in a different a different place but I've sort of got my confidence and my foundations as a yoga teacher now that I can start adding a bit more of the writing into it
2: Mm -hmm.
1: I think I mean I did I did experiment during the pandemic with kind of reading poetry at the beginning of Um, each class and just sharing my ideas and thoughts on it too which people did really like Um, and people you know would often ask oh can we hear some of your poetry but I would say my poetry is not really great for a a yoga class because it can be quite emotional and it can touch on quite sensitive issues So to be honest it just wouldn't really be appropriate to read as you're then guiding someone through a practice.
0: Yes, trying to get them centred and calm when you've just... Yeah,
1: exactly.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, is the sort of philosophical and religious elements of yoga something that attracts you? Um, I mean, are, are you... Yeah, a... I think
1: so. I mean, I'm, I very much... Yeah, um, I, I see it a kind of like just more as a set of beliefs. Mm-hmm. So I think yoga is definitely about self-acceptance. So accepting the good parts about yourself and the bad parts. Um, It's about respecting the body. So although you might see teachers doing really funky poses, that's not really the philosophy of yoga. It's about respecting how your body might feel on different days and being able to learn and, and read the body as well and understand that um, you know, your emotional life or your kind of mental cerebral life will, will impact on the body as well and vice versa. So a lot of the practice of yoga, the, the postures that we move through the asanas are sort of about um, kind of I'm trying, the word cleansing has come to mind and that's yeah. not really a word I mean, but it, yeah sort of what they would say is sort of cleansing or purifying the body so you'd move through a physical practice instead of you know get rid of that excess energy or stretch out that part that's really tight etc etc and then when you've gone through your physical practice the idea is that you would be able to sit calmly and comfortably in meditation to then help to calm the mind as well yeah um So, yeah, I think, and and actually the definition of yoga means um, in union or to be in harmony with yourself, with other people, with the world.
0: Yeah. Do you think it helps with the creative part? If you, you know,
1: yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's there's a type of um, yoga I trained in last year 18 months ago maybe called yoga nidra which is otherwise known as yogic sleep and um, you don't move through any postures or asanas like you might normally see it's more of a mental practice so you get to just lie on the floor wrap yourself in blankets which is lovely mm-hmm. um but it's kind of a guided meditation it's very systematic there is kind of like science behind it and you go through the sort of same steps each time that are supposed to take you to a state kind of between being asleep and being awake that allows you to tap into your subconscious um and that can be really good for creativity it can also be good for like uh, healing emotional trauma and things like that but um yeah i i do think that is really good for creativity and actually even prior to understanding or, or having been aware of yo- what yoga nidra was when I used to write or when I do write sometimes I would have you know an hour a couple of hours of writing (laughs) and then my cousin who I was living with at the time would find me like lying on the um on the floor somewhere in the flat going what are you doing and I went I just need to have like a micro power nap to allow all this creativity to filter through my brain and I need to do it on the floor because that's where I feel grounded it's just like okay (laughs) fine whatever (laughs) and it really worked though I'd come out of this little sleep or nap and I'd know what word I needed or where I needed to take something and then I I learned about yoga nidra and I thought okay this is not so different from what I'm doing anyway so um yeah the 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 writing course that I said that I taught to yoga teachers that's part of a yoga nidra um training so there definitely is a link between that and even with the, the physical postures there's so much creativity in sequencing for a yoga class, knowing what poses might go together or not go together, or even as a student being able to move your bodies in, in a different way that you might not normally and just literally try anything, have a go. Hmm.
0: So where do you teach, where do you teach yoga from?
1: So I at the moment I am teaching at a studio in Clapham
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, called Yoga Haven in Clapham Common. And that is the studio where I did my teacher training. So I've been teaching that for um, three years. And they mainly, they do a mixture of different types of yoga, but they're known for their hot yoga.
0: Yeah.
1: So I teach a hot yoga class on a Wednesday evening. Um, and it's, yeah, it's really good fun. And then I also have um, some private clients as well, who I just uh, go to the house and teach them.
0: Yeah. Is that where your sister works as well? Do you work together?
1: Oh, sadly, she works in Fulham at um, a specialist Pilates studio. Um, but yeah, we, we talked together over lockdown, though. We did some online Zoom classes um, where she did half an hour of Pilates and I did half an hour of yoga. And that was really fun.
0: Yeah, yeah. that's sounds great. Um, well, do you want to read us a piece of your poetry then?
1: Yes, yeah, definitely. Let me just... Um, I think I know which one I'm going to read. Okay. Let me have a look. So, yeah, okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read a poem called Sunburn, which is gonna be in my second collection of poetry beginnings and endings out whenever we get around to <laughs> doing the various bits we need to do. Um, and it's it's part so that then it's split into two parts or the collection split into two parts beginnings of relationships and endings and this is a beginning poem so um yes gonna have some water (laughs) okay finding you at the back corner of truth under lights in a night darkened by neon and cindered bodies, searching for the future in my past goodnight. My anticipation wears me like a naughty teenage lanyard, double-stitched, scooby-dooed and spiralled tight across my chest. Your face reads, as if written by my words. Curved lips like shells, the gaze of a graphite pencil is you colouring in the apex of our bodies for a second time. There is a clarity that's brutal. The two of your sun-drenched shores magnify and sustain. She seats me, sugars me, calls me a dumb slut and blonde hair tangles in your quilted mane. She sings seashells to master our puppetry. Our bodies, urchins, scorched, blistered, insane. My spiny access is the core, and you, two pillars of surety. Lips press and pull as the high tide between shells. Suscerated, I love you, surge like the seventh wave, as surfers re-thrust on the crest of the swell. She, as a sea breeze, whispers to me,
2: Jettison.
1: Your ear is the soft shell of a yellow rib cockle, and your sounds hum with me long after the husk has gone. The sun has come up after we have taken our fill, after lust has scorched our will, and reality has shaken our dreamy cup. The burnt nectar of an oyster I swallowed with speed. The fused image on my resonance of a hooked fish in need Sunburn that sinks permanently into my cracked and salted skin are the remains of your traces on my body, outside and in.
0: That's really good. That's really good. I, I like Thank the you. I like that. You're going to be performing live anywhere anytime soon, do you think?
1: No, I, I would like to get back onto the spoken word circuit. Um, I, well, this isn't really an excuse, but I'll use it as an excuse. The pandemic, a. Eh? Um, but also I, I moved recently to South East London, so I'm just trying to figure out where the closest um, open mic nights are uh, to where I am. So once, once I've thought that out.
0: <laughs> it, it's the endless struggle of being a creative person. Life gets in the way. Yeah. It really does.
1: And I would like someone just to—I would like to have a, um, a creative PA who could, you know, find out book, book me in for events and uh, yeah. do all this kind of admin emails and things for me. But alas, that is definitely not <laughs> going to happen.
0: Yeah. And is there an ambition, one day, to not have a day job and for this to be, to be Amy full time, if you like?
1: Yeah, a lot. A lot of people ask me that, and I think my answer, my my usual answer is no. I really like seeing the law and doing both, but I think I'm definitely in the moment. Um, I think entering a different kind of phase in my life or a different reality as to assessing what I do want from life. So I think my answer is not sure. Um, but also, I don't, think, I don't think I want to be a full-time yoga teacher because it is quite a demanding job. You have to be physically present mm. with your clients. It's very hard to hide if you have a day off, um, whereas maybe if you're doing a day job, you can just quietly type a few emails.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: and, and, you know, I think I probably would like to be able to sit around all day and just write, but <laughs> that seems pretty unrealistic. Um, so, yeah, having, having a balance like we, like we both do now of a bit of law and a bit of creative stuff um, is good but I would like to have that balance be a bit more even so maybe one day I'll figure figure that out a bit more 50
0: 50. So that was the excellent Amy Dudgeon and if you would like to find out more about Amy's work when you be it her yoga or her poetry then you can go to amydudgeon.co.uk there'll be a link on the description of the podcast um, and link to her social medias as well Well, I hope you've enjoyed this episode and I hope you've also enjoyed this first series of the things that drive us. Um, I shall be doing more, but there will be a little break while I actually go out and record them. If you have a story you're interested in telling or a particular practice you're interested in talking about, then feel free to contact me through social media and perhaps you too might end up in the podcast. But until then, like and subscribe. If you haven't listened to them yet, go back and listen to the previous episodes and I'll see you all again soon.